Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. You're listening to Faith Seeking Understanding, and I'm your host, John Green. Thanks for being along. We're continuing our look at um, Ruth, who is in the line of Messiah. She is the great-grandmother of David. Uh, Matthew chose to um, focus on these four women in the genealogy in a way that, that, it n- that was never done in Judaism. And so he brings us these women because he wants us to see them because then we're going to come ultimately to the mother of Jesus, Mary. All these women are pointing in that direction. They're telling us by their characters and by their past and all that, they're telling us something about Mary. They're also telling us something about Jesus, that he is not just a Messiah for the Jews, but all along God's been gathering in righteous Gentiles. And so, so I believe that Matthew is telling the church this is something God's always done. He's brought in these righteous Gentiles in the same way that he's doing now. We're seeing the fullness of the harvest. We saw the, the first fruits in these women, and now we're seeing the fullness of the harvest in the church in the time of Matthew. I believe that's what he's doing here. He's pointing to Mary, but he's pointing also larger, more uh, in, in a broader sense, to the fullness of the ingathering of the Gentiles. That he's pointing us to say, God's been doing this all along in dribs and drabs. Now it's a flood. We've seen the first fruits, now come the harvest. And so we're continuing our look at this extraordinary woman um, named Ruth. And so, so we're in the third chapter of Ruth today. And so what we've seen is, is that she was a Moabite woman. She left her home and her family after the death of her husband uh, and, and after the death of all the men, in fact, in the family that, that began with Elimelech, Naomi, Machlon, and Kilion. And, and so all the men died. Now Naomi says, I'm going back home. I'm going back with the family. And she says, I'm going with you. And she will not be dissuaded. She'll have nothing other than, I'm going to go where you go, and I will die where you die. I'll live where you live. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. I will die wherever you do. And if not, then God come down hard on me. And so she goes back, and she goes with her, and then she meets this man, Boaz. As she goes out to glean, they're poor people. They don't have anything. They're a couple of widows with no progeny. And so she's she's got to go out and depend on the kindness of strangers, (laughs) as Tennessee Williams would have written in The Glass Menagerie. I've always depended on the kindness of strangers, and that's exactly what she's doing here. But, but because of who she has been and what she has done, word of her has gone out, and Boaz, this worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, sees her and blesses her. He blesses her in word and in deed. He gives her everything that she could need and then some. He's providing not just for her needs, but goes beyond that every single time. And, and she was described as a woman who, who should be blessed by God, by her mother-in-law said, because of her faithfulness to the living, to Naomi, and to the dead, to her husband, as well as to, to her father-in-law. That she kept faith, and then Boaz does the same. And Naomi says, ah, this is a man who has loving kindness for both the living and the dead, in the same way that you did. And so now here we are the next day. So her mother-in-law said to her, because she has gleaned with Boaz during both the barley harvest and the wheat harvest. And so he, they have, he has provided abundantly for her during this period of time. And, and so now those two harvests have ended. And so there's going to be a big celebration that the harvest has ended, the work has ended. And so there's going to be a time where the, where the ground is fallow. They've done all the work, and now they get to enjoy the fruits of their labor. And so at that point, Naomi said, her mother-in-law said to Ruth, my daughter— you know that? My daughter. I mean, she, she, that's what she's called her the last two times. My daughter, should I not seek rest for you that it may be well with you? And she doesn't mean, hey, why don't you go take a nap? No, she's talking about the future. 
I need to make, I'm going to try and provide for you in such a way that you're not having to go out and work hard like this, that you're not poor all your life. Should I not seek rest for you that it may be well with you? Isn't Boaz our relative with whose young women you were? Hey, he's related to us. He's not just some random guy. See, he's winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. At the end of the harvest, that's what they did. They would winnow the grain so that they would then be able to then separate the grain from the chaff, and then they would have the harvest would be complete at that point in time. They would have all the grain that they needed, the stuff to sell, all that stuff, every bit of it taken care of. So this is a big night to get this this to finish up the harvest. That's the final bit of work that has to be done. See, he's winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor, which is where you winnow things. Wash, therefore... And anoint yourself. In other words, clean up. Anoint yourself with oil. Make yourself beautiful. Put on your cloak and go down to the threshing floor. But don't make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. The man is Boaz. She says, so kind of be around the edges of things. Don't, don't even let him know you're there, but go and be there. But when he lies down, so wait till he's finished eating and drinking. And then when he lies down, observe the place where he lies. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. And she replied, all that you say, I will do. Now, uncovering the feet can be a euphemism. And it could mean that she was very, very forward, that her Moabite character was coming out, that she was uh, now going to seduce Boaz. I don't believe that for an instant is what happened here. It, It would be so completely out of character for both Ruth and Boaz that it wouldn't make any sense at all. Now, remember what I said at the very beginning of this, this look we're taking at, at Ruth, and that is, is that, that Ham uncovered his father's nakedness. And then what we see is, is his brothers covering that nakedness. But it was from, we're told, that they walked all the way up the body and covered that nakedness. This is different. This is the feet, just the feet. And so this is a humble act of, of submission to say, I'm your servant. Remember, one of the things John the Baptist says uh, about Jesus is, I'm not worthy to untie the laces of his sandals. Well, the most menial act that you could do is wash somebody's feet. And so when Jesus does that, the night that he is taken in and, and arrested and suffering and death follows after that. When Jesus does that, he sets an example for his people. He sets an example for them to be servants. And, and that is the statement that's being made here, to uncover his feet. Go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. She is making a statement about her intentions and her desire. I'm absolutely certain that no sex is involved in this. No question in my mind. It would completely wreck this story if that's what happened. But it plays into exactly what I've told you about the rumors that were current about Mary. And that was that, that Mary was an immoral woman. She didn't have a virgin birth. No, the, the rumor was that she had had uh, an illicit affair with a Roman soldier, and that was where Jesus actually came from. So here, it would make zero sense <laughs> if something illicit happened. I don't think for a second anything remotely like that happened. Because I think all this points to, you know, all these women, other people looked at them askance and thought bad things of them, but they were wrong, I think is what Matthew's saying. But, but Mary stands in line with these women. 
I believe that's why Matthew is pointing us in this direction. And I believe that the character of this woman is so fully established that nobody could think or imagine that something wrong happened here. So, so she went down to the threshing floor and did as exactly as her mother had commanded. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, in other words, he had a little too much to drink, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain, and she came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. At midnight, the man was startled and turned over, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. See, none of this story makes any sense if it's what other people will sometimes kind of insinuate. And it's a horrible thing to insinuate about this woman. At midnight, he was startled, so he, he, he said, who are you? She didn't, he didn't recognize her immediately. He, what did she say? I'm Ruth, your servant. She defines herself not, not as daughter, not as anything else. I'm your servant. And then says, spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. We've heard that language of spreading your wings over because Boaz used it. He said, God's going to do that. That God's going to spread his wings over you and draw you in. And and what she's saying here when she says, spread your wings over your servant for your redeemer is, is, yes, I believe that God is going to spread his wings over me. Using you, you're going to be the one who does that for God. And it's a beautiful image of marriage, I believe. I believe that is is an incredible image of marriage because I believe that really and truly in marriage what we're intended to do is, is to beatify our spouse in such a way that we speak those things and show those things to our spouse that God says to them. He's given us the joy and the work of loving for him. And I believe that's exactly what Ruth's saying here is you wanted God to spread his wings over me? He's saying that you're the man to do it. You're going to show me. You're going to be the guy who makes God real to me. This this isn't some fond idea that God's going to do something. No, he's telling you, you're the man. Just like he says to David later, we're going to read that after we finish with Ruth. I believe that's exactly what she's saying here. You do it. Do this on behalf of the Lord. I believe the Lord has called you to do this very thing. For you are a redeemer. And what's a redeemer? Well, a redeemer under the law is, is that, that if you've got a widow who dies or whose husband has died without leaving behind an heir, then a, the next closest kinsman, whether it's a brother or somebody else, has the right of redemption. They can come and provide a child if it's it's in the family. We see this this leveret marriage that's part of the Judah and Tamar story, right? So that, that he won't provide, so she goes out and takes matters into her own hands, and he ends up saying, "You're more. She's been more righteous than I have, because I kept my son from her, and, and I sinned against her. What she did was not sin. Um, here, it's the same thing. You're a redeemer, and he is because he's in the family in the clan of Elimelech." So he has the, it's a possibility that he can marry her and provide for her and be her sustenance. And he said, may you be blessed by the Lord. My daughter, you have made this last kindness greater than the first, that you have not gone after the young men, whether poor or rich. In other words, you, you, didn't, you didn't chase after other men like I would have expected some Moabite woman to do. No, you've actually come to an old man. And the, and the Jewish history will, will tell you that, that he, his wife had recently died and the way they say it actually is that she that, that the day that they came back that that when Naomi and Ruth came into Bethlehem what they actually came into was the funeral of Boaz's wife 
again, I mean, you can see why they would say that. The women are all gathered. you got all these people around, and then we, we get this so that they see them, and they recognize them immediately and all that. And so you see how they can get there. It takes some extrapolation, obviously, but that's the reason they would believe that. It doesn't say that in Scripture. I'm not saying that's true. So he says, you, you've made this last kindness greater than the first, and that you've not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. In other words, you, you, I'm, it, Boaz is telling us here that he's not a young man. You didn't chase after them. No, the kindness that you're doing in coming to me is amazing, is what he's saying. You didn't act like a Moabite woman. You're actually following the law. When you say things like you are a redeemer, you, you've actually taken the law of God seriously. You, you are a true convert. You're following the law, not your desires, or not what would be presumed to be your desires. He said, and now, my daughter, my daughter. Again, he said it twice here. Don't fear. I will do for you all that you asked. For all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. In other words, your reputation has preceded you. We look at you with awe and reverence and respect. Everybody. All my fellow townsmen. All the people in Bethlehem know who you are, Ruth. And they know what kind of woman you are, and they respect you for that. You're a worthy woman. And now it's true that I am a redeemer, yet there's a, a redeemer nearer than I. I mean, somebody else has right of first refusal. It goes in a pecking order, depending on the nearness of the relation. Remain tonight, and in the morning, if he'll redeem you, good, let him do it. But if he's not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until the morning. Just rest. Just rest. Remember, that's what Naomi wanted, was rest. And that's what Boaz gives here. Lie down until the morning. Just rest. I don't want anything from you at all. I'm willing to be that redeemer. You're exactly right. You understand righteousness. You understand that spreading the wings over, God uses human agency to spread his wings over you. And you're right. I am a redeemer. And I'm willing to do it. Extraordinary man. Absolutely extraordinary man. So she laid his feet until the morning, but rose before anyone could recognize another. So it was still dark outside. And he said, Let it be known that the woman came, let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. So don't let anybody know that that happened here. The writer is letting us know. <laughs> and he said, Bring the garment you're wearing and hold it out. So this is dark, but they're in the threshing floor where the grain is. And remember, he's lying at the, at the, at the grain heap. So he held it out, and he measured out six measures of barley and put it on her. Then he went. she went into the city. I mean, she, he, he really gave her a lot at this point. I mean, he, he is making a statement about what he's doing here. And when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, How did you fare, my daughter? Then she told her all that the man had done for her, saying, These six measures of barley he gave to me, for he said to me, You must not go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law. She, Naomi, replied, wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out, for the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. She has great confidence in what Boaz is going to do. She has no question in her mind about this. Naomi, you just can't almost imagine the delight Naomi must have felt when she heard this and saw what he had done for, for Ruth. She, she would have felt like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. God has, has brought bitterness upon me, and he has sorely judged me. And yet now we are on the verge of, of seeing redemption. It's not just that Boaz is a redeemer. There's real redemption getting ready to happen. God's going to redeem all that past, all that pain. Don't ever lose heart. Don't ever stop believing God's got a redeemer. 
Jesus is our Redeemer ultimately, but God always has redemption in mind. We're never, ever to lose heart and to lose hope. And, that, and that's exactly what Naomi had done when she came back. But now you can see in Naomi hope is restored in a way that, that she couldn't even have imagined before. And it's through this Moabite woman who is so respected in the community that Boaz, this man, this worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, has seen something in this woman and he has proven himself to be worthy. So we're told he's worthy and then we're shown that he's worthy. And he's proven himself that way. And Naomi says he's not going to rest until he gets this done and it'll be done today, baby. You're not going to have to wait. So Boaz had gone up to the gate and sat down there, and behold, the Redeemer, of whom Boaz had spoken, the other guy who was a nearer Redeemer, came by. So Boaz said, turn aside, friend, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down, and he took ten men of the elders of the city, because he needed those ten men, takes ten men to, to make up a minyan, which is so, in other words, if you, were, if you lived in a place and you wanted to have a synagogue there, you'd have to find ten Jewish men before you could have that synagogue. So you need ten men to form a minyan. They're going to hear the case that's going to be presented before them, and it takes ten to be able to do that. So uh, he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, sit down here. So he's telling everybody. He tells the first guy, the Redeemer, sit down here, and he tells these guys to sit down, so they sat down. Then he said to the Redeemer, Naomi, who's come back from the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. So I thought I'd tell you of it and say, buy it in the presence of those sitting here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you'll redeem it, redeem it. But if not, tell me that I may know, for there's no one besides you to redeem it, and I come after you. He's left out a really important detail that he's going to throw in here in a minute. He's, he's, he's exposing this guy's character by doing it, too. It's hilarious. Because what he said is, is that, that, hey, Naomi came back from the country of Moab, and she's selling the land that Elimelech had. Do you want to buy it? You have the right of first refusal. Do you want to buy that property? If you don't want it, then I'll get it. Then I'll buy it, right? I mean, it's a bargain that's being struck here. And he said, the guy, I'll redeem it. And it's funny because the, the, what they call this guy, and it's in the text, actually. I'm not sure exactly where it is, but, but his name is Plony Almoni. And Plony Almoni is a really well-known name within Judaism. So Plony Almoni is the guy here. And what does Plony Almoni mean? It means no name. And we're never told his name. But it, but it says in here, Plony Almoni is in the text, but it means no name. So we don't even know who the guy is. So we're not going to slander him by telling the story, but, but we also we don't think well enough of him to give his name either. So he says, I'll redeem it. And then Boaz says, oh, oh by the way, um, the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also require Ruth, the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. In other words, he's going to get some of that. That'll be his inheritance. If you buy it, you've got to marry this woman, and you've got to provide a child by her to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. Then the Redeemer said, yeah, uh, um, uh, I can't redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. So I, I'm, I'm now going divi- to have to divide my, the inheritance that I leave to my children. I'm going to have to divide that one more way, and so it's going to harm them. So I'm not, I'm not willing to do that. Take my right of redemption for yourself, for I can't redeem it. And then we're told, this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging. To confirm a transaction, one drew off his sandal and gave it to the other. 
That was the manner of attesting in Israel. So when the Redeemer said to Boaz, buy it for yourself, he drew off his sandal. In other words, that's the proof that I've declined to do this work. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, your witnesses this day that I've bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Kilian and to Machlon. So now it's actually going to consolidate here because it would have been divided between the children of Kilion and Machlon. First, it would have been divided to Kilion and Machlon. So Elimelech had two kids, so his inheritance would have been divided. The elder would have gotten two-thirds, and the younger would have gotten a third. Now, however, there's only one child. There's no children. There's only Ruth, the surviving widow of one of those children. So it's actually going to consolidate their wealth a little bit. Also, Ruth, the Moabite, the widow of Machlon, I have bought to be my wife to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the gate of the native place. You are witnesses to this day. I'm going to tell you this, and then we're going to stop here for the day, and we'll finish up tomorrow, or finish up on Monday. That, That is considered to be the greatest act of kindness possible within Judaism, is to perpetuate the name of the dead. You've done something to make sure that that name is not cut off and that their line is perpetuated. And it's a great sacrifice to do that because that child is going to be considered as belonging to the dead husband. And then any subsequent children are considered your children. So the first one, though, belongs to the children. So he's going to inherit that. It's an amazing thing. It's an incredible act of kindness. It's something that's, that is is known well as the, the most powerful and, and wonderful act of kindness that you can do because it's, you've done it for somebody who can't repay you. You've carried on the name, and you've done an act of kindness for somebody who can't repay you, and there's no greater kindness possible in Judaism than to do a kindness that can't be repaid in any shape, form, or fashion. It's a beautiful and a wonderful thing that Boaz does here in this place, and it doesn't benefit him at all, except for, well, he gets an extraordinary woman to be his wife.